Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Okay. All right. I can be loud. <laughs> it's good to be here this morning. Amen. I want to thank these guys, uh, Stan and the team, for leading us in our beautiful worship this morning. See, that's, this is the one thing that we will keep doing forever, to praise and to worship God. Amen. So you may as well start stretching and doing it more. Amen. Besides, there is power. When we praise, when we worship, break our hearts before God, His presence and His glory descends. Amen? And what happens, you know, in the presence of God, there is and, and, yes, liberty, freedom. He breaks our chains. Amen? Remember the story of... Uh, Paul and Silas in prison? Yes. They simply began to praise God in shackles. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we praise you. The other prisoners were listening. And then there was the earthquake. And then they were set free. Maybe that is an answer to someone here that you simply may just need to start praising God. Amen? That's not what I'm going to talk about this morning. But that, that just came. Amen. Maybe you simply need to start praising God and thanking God and blessing His holy name. You have cried long enough. It is time to praise. May God give you a new song. Amen. May God rewrite the story and give you a testimony so you can begin to praise God. Amen. Oh, God is a good God. Before I speak this morning, I want us to just take a moment and pray. We'll wait for those guys to settle in. I'd like us to just dedicate a brief moment and talk to God. There are some things that you need to talk to God about. There are some things that we need to lay before him this morning. Perhaps you have been crying before God over the same issues. But I'd like us to pray this morning. Lord, we come to you. We are your people. And so we ask you this morning, Lord, to look down upon us with mercy. We ask you this morning To let your glory and your presence and your spirit, O oh God, touch our lives. And God, I just want to pray.
pray that you will enable a prayer, a cry, a brokenness in each one of us. We want to see you, Lord. We want to see your work, work in my life. I want to see your hand. If you don't help us, no one can. If you don't heal, no doctor can heal. All we need is you, Lord. To be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be a holy sanctuary. For you, Lord, I'm willing to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving. I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Lord, prepare me to be a living Sanctuary for you, and with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. your glory and for your service. May we be the vessels. May we be the sacrifice. In Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen. You know, sometimes I personally need a reminder that I don't own anything in this world that I belong to God. 
you sometimes feel that way? Much as we know, we need to be reminded you belong to God. <laughs> Amen. And that carries great stuff. We'll talk about some of the few here today. You belong to the king for his service that you have become a living sanctuary. You know, even our, uh, our ideas don't belong to us. Though sometimes we think they belong to us. Our children don't belong to us. And there's one particular one. We normally call it mine, my money. That does not belong to you either. Amen. Does not belong to you. The life itself. And how do you really know? You know, sometimes I, I feel like a Sunday school kid. I need, I need the Holy Spirit to break it down for me. How do I know that I don't have control? I don't own anything. Three things. First, when I don't have the power to create it. Secondly, if I know I cannot control it. And thirdly, if I know I don't have any power to take it away or to, to destroy it. You know, that's when I know it's not in my hands. We read in Psalms 24 verse 1, it says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people, belong to him. Uganda belongs to Jesus. America belongs to God. The nations of the world belong to God. Now you and me You know this that we have been honored to simply be the stewards of this earth and everything that God has given us to be custodians to keep, to nurture, to use for the glory of God. stewards and that's such a privilege a blessing oh what an honor amen so this morning we're going to talk about one specific thing that God expects us to take very good care of hallelujah that we are stewards over And that is his temple. Hallelujah. His temple. You know, in the Old Testament, God dwelt in the tabernacle. And that tabernacle had three sections, as you may well know. The outer court, the inner court, and the holy of holies. In the Holy of Holies, that's where God, God's presence was. And a priest, only one priest, would go there once in a while. And a lot of preparation needed to be made before the priest goes in there. Amen. And you know, when the priest went there, they tied a rope on his, on his legs. So that if it takes too long there, 
No one is going to go in there. No one would dare to go there. So then they would drag the priest out. <laughs> Amen. It was the presence of God. At other times, God dwelt in the Ark of the Covenant. God dwelt in the cloud and in the fire that hovered over the children of Israel. And other physical things that have been illustrated in the Bible. And it's also important that those physical places where God met his people were to be kept pure and holy because God was coming down. Nobody messed around with the covenant box. One person tried to mess around with it. He was struck dead. Hobbit. And the Holy of Holies, the mountains, when God was coming to meet with the people, they had to be kept clean. Amen? Because God is a holy God. Now, according to the New Covenant, that the new Adam, Jesus Christ, created. We have become the temple of God. You have become the dwelling place of the Most High. Can you think about that for a minute? That's the new covenant. When Jesus came down here and paid the price and then opened a way and gave us direct access. Now, as it was demonstrated in the covenant, in the Holy of Holies, in the tabernacle of the Old Testament, only the priest could go and speak to God on behalf of the people. In the, New Testament, in the New Covenant, it is not so. You, me, anyone can now connect with God directly. Because that curtain was broken. We can all, all go. We are all invited. <laughs> Amen. But that also means that we are stepping in the holy presence of God. That also means that we, are, we now have a higher calling. And that calling demands that we live the life worthy of the call. Amen. See, I want to be a preacher who does not beat around the bush. Amen. And I am very comfortable and comfortable in the sense that I feel safe because all of you who have come here are people who have put up with sound doctrine, sound gospel for a long time. And that's why you're here, right? You're here because you cannot put up with anything less than the gospel, the truth. That's why I'm here as well. Because I know that we have come to a time in our day and age, when many don't put up with the, with the sound gospel no more, and they go looking around for the sugar-coated kind of gospel. And when I signed up 
to preach the gospel. So, Lord, I'm going to preach your word as it is, black and white. If somebody stoned me, I know I'll go to heaven. So don't be afraid to tell somebody the truth. Just as I'm not afraid to tell you the truth this morning. Now let's look at some of the ways that God expects us to take care of the place of worship. We're going to look at uh, look at it in the context of a physical place. Like you know, this is this is the house of God, where we come to fellowship. And this house of God is very important to God. Because it's a place that we all come and fellowship with him and call upon him and pray and encourage one another as the day approaches for his return. In the book of Jeremiah, which we're going to read uh, Chapter 7, verse 7 to 11. The word of the Lord. The Lord spoke his word to Jeremiah. He said, Stand at the gate of the house and announce from there this message. Listen to the word of the Lord, all you people of Judah who go through these gates to worship the Lord. This is what the Lord of armies the God of Israel says, Change the way you live and act, and I will let you live in this place. Do not trust the words of this saying. This is the Lord's temple, the Lord's temple, the Lord's temple. It is a lie. Supposed Suppose you really change the way you live and act, and you really treat each other fairly. Suppose you do not oppress foreigners, orphans, and widows, or kill anyone in this place. And suppose you do not follow other gods that lead you to your destruction, then I will let you live in this place, in the land I have permanently I gave permanently to your ancestors. Now I ask myself, what were the Israelites doing at the time uh, that prompted this message to come to to uh, Prophet Jeremiah? The Lord was watching the way people were dealing and doing church and, and ministry. The Lord was watching, and He was looking deeper into the hearts of the people. He was examining it, and, and so he, he, he gave this message to Jeremiah as we continue reading verse 8. You are trusting the words of a saying. And when you study this, you will realize that uh, there are many ways that people feel uh, they have a pseudo- protection, pseudo comfort in, in, in a sense of belonging. It's the same problem that the Pharisees had. They thought since they knew the law, they had studied the law, they were justified. They were dedicated in service. But there was a problem because the Lord looks at the heart of a person. And here's what he said. It is a lie that cannot help you. You still murder, commit adultery, lie when you take oath, burn incense as an offering to Baal, and run after other gods that you do not know. Then you stand in my presence in the house that is called by my name. You think that you are safe to do all these disgusting things. And God was confronting his people. You're not safe because 
I have called you to be my own people. And that means you have to separate. Separate from the ways of the pagans and belong to me. With your, the way you live and through your actions. And stop chasing after other gods that you don't even understand, you don't even know. Now, let me ask you, do you think that this message is still relevant in our day and age? Yes, it is. It is that scary time in our generation that you try to find the truth lived out through people and it's hard to find because the world is aggressive it's the forces and the power of evil Satan is up to a serious business That is why we must become very biblical. That is why we must, as the children of God, become aggressive and become serious with our profession. We got to make that line, draw that line every day. Every day, draw that line. Because when God looks down at his church today, his heart is grieved. I don't want us to be a church that God looks down here. And then he's not happy. I don't want to be a Christian just by the name of being a Christian. It is a curse. I don't want to be a preacher who stands on the pulpit of God and preach the holy word of God. And I don't live that life. You know, I've been given the choice. I'd rather go do something else than to come in the name of the Lord and I have refused to live the life of the calling. That is where the power comes. That is where true experience with God comes. You know, you want to see God? Then this, this is the key. To come to him. So Lord, I surrender my life to you. I give up. I cut every tie with the idols of this world. And you be the Lord and the King of my life. That right there is a breakthrough that will begin to give you the experience of the kingdom. know and we have been called to a life that must be full with personal devotion you know the time that you spend with God is very important alone See, maybe God can touch you when you come here. But God should touch you when you're not here. When you're alone. <laughs> you know, for most people today, the best Christian life they live is, is on a Sunday morning. 
That is the best Christian experience. Sunday morning. And when they go back, there's no personal devotion. There's no commitment to read the word. There's no prayer going on. And there is no commitment to stand firm against evil. Living in a world that is inundated with pervasive pursuits and indulgence. No. Jesus called us to, to, a, to a narrow and, and rough path. No. I don't want to tell you, come to Jesus and everything is going to be fine. You will be fine. <laughs> you know. Your problems will all be taken away. <laughs> no. Those problems are going to be there. You might get a few more. Difficult ones as well. But those... Problems. The difference now is that you're facing those problems with the Lord by your side. <laughs> Amen. And you get victory after victory. And the Lord lifts you from glory to glory. Strengthens your faith. And he prepares you. One step at a time. Until you emerge. Amen. Emerge in victory. We're going to emerge. We're going to cross the river one day. Amen. We're going to cross. And blessed are those who fight the good fight and finish the race until the end. No. We've got to keep looking forward to our eternal home. Fixing our eyes on Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. You know, here's what I think. You know, church life can be a lot of fun. Amen? can be a lot of fun if only individual Christians can live their Christian lives from home as well. And when we come here, there is power. There's love. There's witness. There's uplifting because we share the testimonies of great things that God is doing in our brothers and sisters. Read for yourselves in the book of Acts, in the early church. And the people came together. They were free. They shared everything. They expressed love to one another. They lifted the weak. They did not condemn somebody who did not have. They shared with them. And I believe, it's not written there, but I believe they did not talk behind the back of other Christians. The Bible says they were in one accord. And the Lord did wonderful things and kept adding people. Because people out in the world know it when they see it. When they see that, ah, those people are different. Those believers, those people who go to that church, uh-uh. There's something different about them. My neighbor. There's something different about my neighbor. And you know, you just live your life. Live your life. Don't even try to sell Jesus in other ways. Just live your life. That is the gospel, the best gospel 
people will read. And then they will come and begin talking to you. Who are you? Where do you go to church? To you, that's not important. You just tell them, I go to New Life there. But you know what's important is, I have Jesus, my Lord and Savior. The world is watching. You know, the power of testimony. You know, your best gospel, your best message to the world is your testimony, your life. That's the best gospel. Ask the Lord to help you cultivate that. Say, Lord, help me cultivate a good testimony, a good Christian life. I may have failed in a lot of ways, but Lord, I love you, and I need your help. Amen? I need your help. I am not perfect now, but I know that your work is not finished yet in me. So I'm willing to let you continue working in my life. I will obey when you tell me. When you tell me to stop, I will stop. You know, we in this society, we create a lot of to-do lists. Every morning we scribble, 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 put it on the refrigerator. This is what I'm going to do today. But in recent years, I've learned that there's another list that is equally important, if not more important. It's called a stop-do list. <laughs> Amen. And I want to give you an assignment to go back home today and create that list and hide it somewhere. Only you can see it. But this is my stop do list. And you can give yourself a timeline. <laughs> Don't be so strict on yourself because you might fail. Be flexible. Say, Lord, with your help, this is my stop do list. And I'm serious about it. <laughs> oh. Our best Christian life is live privately. When you fail to commune with God alone, it's more likely that you may fail to commune with Him when you come here. Because not, you will not come in the right mind. Well, it's true. God, will, God can touch you. I'm not saying he won't. He will, he, and because he does. God will touch you, he will speak to you. But how much more if you came here and your heart is open? Say, Lord, today is another day. I will obey you. You just tell me and I will go. You just show, point it to me. And I will cooperate with you. Point my problems, my weakness. Search me. A few times, you know, I've had, not as long as many of you, of course, I've had a little bit of church experience ministry and I've known a few of my brothers and sisters in the Lord who did not take care of this that we're talking about and they opened themselves to a lot of problems and attitude and judgment and backbiting and backstabbing other believers and 
words and all these, and you just get to that point that you wonder why we cannot do that. We cannot. We are children of the king. We are the ship of his pen. All of us. We don't judge. We don't hate. We don't condemn. We must understand that just as the other person is weak and has failed and perhaps is failing, I can too. No. But when we come together, when you put many logs together and lit fire on it, fire is hotter and it burns for longer. So that unity in the spirit is an important thing. Now that, plus some of the mentionings I've made, are the ways we can uh, keep the temple of the Lord, an admirable place. People, when people are happy to come to it, come to fellowship, people are excited to come to church in the morning and attend fellowship. I'll mention a few miscellaneous things. You know, I was discipled I'm proud to say I was discipled by the best <laughs> in my own terms. <laughs> and recently, I, the Lord connected me with Pastor Charles. He is one of the best in my own judgment. Amen. He is. He's a good man. And my spiritual father and mentor back in Uganda. He might come here sometime this June. You might get to meet him. A humble man. A great man of prayer. He mentored me. And so, I learned a few things about the sanctity of the sanctuary. When I studied, when I studied my Bible, and I already mentioned a few things in our reading today in Jeremiah. The place where we meet God is a holy place. Amen? It's a holy place. Now I want you to go back home today and think, how can we treat the sanctuary with respect, with love? You know, I love the people who put flowers here. This is good. When we clean it, we are showing that respect. Those are important things. And on that note, I really, really, really want to thank all of you who have dedicated your life, who have given your resources. the sustenance of this church over the years. I want to read a scripture for you. Hebrews 6, 10. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love for other believers, as you still do. I know there are people here who care for this church, and who have been here for years plus. My friend here, I talked to him the other day on Podlast. He said he's been here for like 32 years. I don't see him today. So you see, that is commitment. And I know a man like that has given his time, has given his money, has given everything 
because he loves this church. So I want to remind us that there's a reward for everything you do for the kingdom of God. May Jesus have something to remember you with or for. May your name be mentioned in the gospel. You know, last time we talked about the woman who broke the alabaster box. You know, Jesus said, told the disciples, everywhere the gospel will be preached, she will be remembered. Now, I, when I step out of this world and I exit the scene of life, I want my grandchildren to remember that I was a man of faith. See, that's the legacy you can make. You want to write on the hearts of people. You want to leave something in the heart of your wife or your husband or your children that is hard to erase so that when you're not around they feel as if something has been removed and when you visited someplace they want you back because they don't feel life is as it should be I know this when my wife is out of the house or conference or something, or when, like I travel a lot, I go on missions, uh, I go back to Uganda, I go to Mexico, I go all places, preach the gospel. I know that my family is very sad. It is very cold. Unfortunately, I am the loud one, the storyteller. <laughs> so when I'm not there, it's quieter. And, s and so the kids, they crawl up, they all crawl up in mommy's bed. Everyone. Because daddy's no home. And that is something that I cannot get out of my mind. I want to be able to get my name not in the hall of fame not among the riches in this world. Not among the powerful in this world. But a simple life lived well by faith. And a name in the hall of faith. Amen. You know when you read Hebrews 11, you see a lot of names of people in the Hall of Faith. And when you study the life of those people, Abraham, you know, the prophets, study their lives. They did not live an easy life. No. They lived the life of sacrifice. They lived a life of daring, risking, and some of them died very painfully for the sake of the gospel. What will you do for the sake of the gospel? What are you willing to do for this blessed word of God? What are you willing to sacrifice for the king? Start with your own life. Amen? And then, let go. Your arm. It's better you go to heaven with one arm than to hell with both. So let go. That painful 
separation with the things we love, the things we adore in this world. If the Lord asks you to let it go, will you? For the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the life after here, you know, we're all going to die someday. But let one thing remain. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. That one thing. Let that one thing not be taken away from you. As I conclude, just a few quick reminders. First Corinthians chapter six, verse nineteen. Don't you know that your body is the temple that belongs to the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, whom you receive from God, lives in you. No, you do not belong. You do not belong to yourselves. Right? I don't belong to myself. So I cannot just carry myself the way I want? Is that it? I cannot just do whatever I want to do? No. Because I don't belong to me. I don't belong to me. I belong to God. And as we have looked at it, in the new covenant, I become the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. The same with you. Now, that is something we must be conscious about, constantly. Constantly conscious before I speak in a word, before I do anything, I ask myself, will this grieve the Holy Spirit, the boss who lives here? Will he be happy with it? If it's no, then... But you know, before you even get there, before you struggle with that, if you want to, to do it the easy way, you let him bear the fruits. That's the easy way. Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth flows. And the actions are directed. The life you live. It's all because of how things are on, on the inside. I know there are people who, who just, we just love. They just love. They don't struggle to do that. Just like the moon, and the sun, and the stars, they don't struggle to shine. They just shine because that's their nature. So then your nature becomes the ease, the ease that you need to function. And so when we go back, we do our homework. So, Lord, I want to do an evaluation, an assessment. I try to do that every morning. I get the word of God before me as the mirror through which I look at myself, my inner self. And I let that mirror illuminate every corner of my life. You know, that's why Paul reminds us, uh, uh, Romans 12, 1, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is our reasonable service. Present your body. You know, present it to the Lord as a living sacrifice. 
Amen? Don't sleep. We are about to close. <laughs> we are about to close. When the city is not guarded, when the city does not have the walls around it, it is open and vulnerable to the enemy. The enemy can put a siege or attack the city without struggle, right? That's why we need watchmen. We need the walls, and then we need the watchmen at the gate. So I want my Christian life to have a wall around it. You know, Holy Ghost, wall of fire. <laughs> Prayer, the word of God. You know, that's what creates a strong wall around us. The enemy does not find any crack. Then you set up, be the watchman, the watchman in your, for, for your own life, your own spirituality. Be the watchman of your family. You know, how are things in your house? Have you just let some things just come and invade your house anyhow? No. Nothing enters my house without my permission. I'm the watchman there. Amen. You know, Stan was telling me somebody came to his house and stole money. You know, that's only very physical and it's not impo very important here. But the enemy can come. You did. <laughs> the enemy can come and steal, and steal your joy. Steal your relationship. Steal your, the love in your family. He can come. He sneaks in in little bits. And he has been sneaking over the years. Because you've not been a watchman. You know, how do we become watchmen? It's a constant thing. We raise our children. We teach them the Bible. You're being a watchman. Because when you wake up one day, they're 16, they don't know even how to, to say... Uh, John 3.16. When my child is 17 and they don't know how to recite John 3.16, I've not been a careful watchman. And then the enemy will just come and rip them from you. Or rip your wife or your husband and then everything falls apart. But God forbid it. We're going to stand firm and stand strong and watch. May God help us to maintain the sanctity of his sanctuary. And that's you. And you can fill in a lot of things that I did not mention here as the Holy Spirit speaks to you and pointing out some of the things that you must get rid of from the temple. Amen? May we stand. Let's sing together and then we shall pray. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning, my morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand 
has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Summer and winter, springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in thy courses abound. Join with us in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. Great is thy faithfulness. Yes, Lord, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, New Messiah, all I have needed, Thy hand has provided. Great is Thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Pardon for sin. Peace are endured, that on your presence to you and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with ten thousand Great is thine faithfulness. Thank you, Lord. Great is thine faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercy I see. All I have needed, thine hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, Lord unto me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your love that endures forever. Thank you for the strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Thank you for the power of your salvation. For your grace that you promised to the weak. Lord, for hope to those who seem to have lost it. Behold. You will do a new thing. Do something new, Lord, in our lives. Do something new. And like King David cried out, he cried out for help. He said, Lord, Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation. Lord, I pray and desire that each one of us, Lord, we need you. Each one of us need you, Lord. We need your grace for every single day. We need your help in this world. This is not our home. We are so generous, Lord. We need your help. We are at war every day. It's forces of evil that seek to destroy us, seek to steal our soul, seek to ruin sanctified establishments of God. To ruin families. Lord, you say it in your word that I will build my church 
and the gates of hell shall not prevail against. Lord, we are your church. And you've given us power to advance your kingdom, to advance in power and victory. That every gate that we'll find in the way will not prevail. But you will grant us victory and you'll give us breakthrough. Thank you, Jesus. To you be the glory and the honor. Take all the praise. Oh, hallelujah.